It's great to welcome all of our listeners back to Search the Scriptures today. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's good to be back with all of our listeners again, to be able to open up God's Word and read a little bit more, learn a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, and grow in our faith. Because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. It's a blessing to be able to be with you to study God's Word each day here on Search the Scriptures, and we pray that it's a blessing for you as well. We're thankful that God has blessed us with the ability and the opportunity at the means through the medium of radio and the internet to be able to teach His Word on such a widespread basis. We're thankful, and we want to encourage you to encourage everybody you can to listen to this program. We also encourage you to tell them to go to our website and to take advantage of this opportunity yourself as well, to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, we know that many people, they listen to the program regularly, but they can't listen every single time it's on because of scheduling conflicts. Well, When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whether that's your phone or your computer or laptop or pad or whatever it might be, you will automatically receive this program every single day, and it will always be free. It's signing up for our podcasting is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We simply want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And through podcasting is another way that God has blessed us to be able to get the word out, to teach his word. So Monday through Friday, you'll receive Search the Scriptures. Then you can download it, listen to it at your convenience. But you'll also receive a lot more Bible teaching. You'll get our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a great seven-day-a-week Every day of every week, a short Bible study, only about 13 minutes long each day, but it's every day keeping us in God's Word, and we call that today's Bible class. All of that will come automatically to your smart device, always free. So tell everybody you can, take advantage of it yourself. We want to help, again, people grow in their faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, come and visit with us. Check us out in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. If you're in the Omaha area, please do that. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin at 930 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 1030. Sunday evenings, 6 o'clock, we get back together for another period of worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, Good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged in the middle of the week. Each Wednesday evening at 6.30, we come back together for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We hope to see you soon. Now, we're going to get back into our study talking about five days of Jesus. And I get this particular title from a song that's a church hymn, old church hymn, but still so relevant and so beautiful and melodious. The title is One Day. That's the title of that song, One Day. 
But it's five verses long, and each verse focuses on one day of Jesus. So we're covering all five days in this particular study, and so I've entitled this lesson, Five Days of Jesus. Now, we've looked at the first three already. One day, heaven, when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men. My example is he. That first day of Jesus is when he left heaven and he came to this earth in human form, born of a virgin, grew up to be a young man, and then went about in his public ministry for about three to three and a half years proclaiming the gospel message of salvation to all mankind. Day two, one day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree, suffering, anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins. My Redeemer is he. When he fulfilled his ministry upon this earth, that is going about teaching the gospel message publicly and privately, then he went to that cross The Roman soldiers, at the instigation of the Jewish leadership, led him up Calvary's mountain, Calvary being the Latin rendering of that place, Golgotha being the Hebrew name of it, and a place of a skull being the identity in Aramaic language. There they nailed him to that cross, and they executed him in that brutal, barbaric form of execution. Jesus died on that cross that day, bearing the guilt purposefully from the mission that God sent him to fulfill, bearing the guilt of all of the sins of all mankind for all time on his physical body as he hung and died upon that cross. The third day of Jesus. One day they left him alone in the garden. And that is, they took him after he died on that cross, two secret believers in Jesus, came and requested from the Roman governor Pilate the body of Jesus. He granted them to take his body, and then they took him and put him in a new tomb that was, no, that was owned by Joseph of Arimathea, one of these two men. Nicodemus, another believer, joined Joseph of Arimathea, prepared Jesus' body for burial with a hundred pounds of spices, myrrh and aloes, and they laid him in that tomb and sealed it. The Jewish leadership petitioned the Roman governor to secure that tomb. Not enough that this, I think we can understand, massive stone was rolled across it, but Pilate granted them to have a Roman guard, that is, not just one Roman soldier, but at least a couple of Roman soldiers stand guard over that tomb and to have the tomb sealed. And so, again, this third day of Jesus, one day they left him alone in the garden. One day he rested from suffering free. Angels came down or his tomb to keep vigil. Hope of the hopeless, my Savior is he. 
Without Jesus, our life is hopeless upon this earth because without Jesus, we're lost in our sins. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We needed Jesus to die on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. And God in his love, John 3 and verse 16 and Romans 5 and verse 8, sent Jesus to do exactly that, to do exactly that. But the grave could not keep him. We're not talking about a normal human being just in physical form. We're talking about God the Son, God the Son, Jesus, the Savior, come down from heaven. And so we turn to Matthew chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I'm assuming meaning that they fainted on the spot at the sight of the angel. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. I have a difficult time imagining the emotions that must have been swelling within those two women, both named Mary as they heard the words of the angel. I'm sure that just three days prior, as Jesus died on that cross, there was a whole different set of emotions welling through them. Sadness, sorrow, perhaps a sense of loss, and probably a sense of confusion. But now they come to the tomb to check on the body of their Lord and Savior. The two Roman soldiers, they fainted. They're lying on the ground. The angel, radiant in appearance, tells them he's not here. He's not here. He is risen. Now go tell his disciples that he's risen and he'll meet you at Galilee. You'll see him there. Oh, what a glorious pronouncement that these two women heard from that angel. When we turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, we look at verses 23 and 24. And this is Pentecost. This would have been 50 days from the time of the crucifixion or from the time of his resurrection. And 
here on Pentecost, thousands of Jewish men were gathered for that feast day. The apostles were also there. And they took it upon themselves as they were baptized with the Holy Spirit to teach as many of those men as they could who were gathered there on that occasion at that time the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of salvation. Peter's words are highlighted in Acts chapter 2. And I want us to read, beginning with verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Peter says, you saw, you knew of the miracles and the wonders and the signs that God performed through Jesus. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Uh, Peter spared no words in his sermon convicting those Jewish men and the Jewish people who rejected Jesus as a whole of rejecting the Son of God, as re of rejecting their Savior, their Messiah. You have taken him by lawless hands, crucified and put him to death. Oh, but that wasn't all that, that Peter had to say. The next verse, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. God raised him from that tomb. God raised him from the physical dead. God raised him to physical life. And he appeared to hundreds and hundreds of individuals over the 40 days that he was risen before he ascended back into heaven. God raised Jesus from the dead. And he was seen, not just by one or two. It wasn't a matter of somebody saying, I know somebody who said their cousin thought they saw somebody who looked like Jesus off in the distance under a tree one day. Could he be risen? No, it wasn't like that. It wasn't gossip. It was reality. He appeared not just to numerous witnesses over 40 days before he ascended back to heaven, but he appeared to hundreds and hundreds of individuals and more than 500 at one time. We look back in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. To whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, undeniable proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul wrote about Jesus' resurrection and his appearing before hundreds of witnesses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel 
which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that is, by Peter, then by the twelve, the apostles, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. That is, at one time, on one occasion, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And Paul says, most of those 500 who saw him at one time on that one occasion together, they're still alive. Some of them have died already, but most of them are still alive, and they can attest to that fact themselves. My, Jesus arose victorious over death. The grave could not hold him down. The hatred of those who rejected him among the Jewish leadership could not keep his teachings quiet. Satan himself, how he must have danced in joy and rejoicing when not only those Roman soldiers nailed, drove those nails through Jesus' hand, fastening him to that cross, drove them through his feet, nailing him to that cross, and torturing him through that execution form of crucifixion. How he must have rejoiced and danced and clapped his hands and shouted with glee when the last physical evidences of life drained from his body on that cross. I can imagine Satan himself, the devil, thinking, I finally won. I finally beat God. I led those whom God sent him to present himself before as their Savior. I led them. I convinced them that he was a fraud, and they killed him. They nailed him to that cross. But how his countenance, that is the devil's countenance, must have fallen when Jesus arose from that tomb, when he walked upon the earth again for 40 days, when he presented himself alive to the apostles and probably to numerous other individuals who are not named, but then on one occasion to over 500 people at one time. 500 people, more than that, at one time. How the devil must have felt defeated (laughs) one more time. Five days of Jesus. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, 
one day when sin was as black as could be. Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin as the Savior, the prophesied Savior, dwelt among men. My example is he. They too. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on that tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. Oh, they did not realize that they were actually fulfilling in purpose the mission of God that he sent Jesus upon to die on that cross to bear the guilt of our sins. Day three, one day they left him alone in the garden in that tomb near Golgotha. One day they, he rested from suffering free. Angels came down or his tomb to keep vigil. Hope of the hopeless, my Savior is he. And day four, one day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. God's angel took care of that stone. Then he arose over death he had conquered, victorious over death, risen, the risen Savior, now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. When we go back to Acts chapter 1, we find the apostles in the presence of Jesus He gives them some final marching orders. As Mark recorded them, what we call the Great Commission in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus told them to go into all the world and preach that same gospel message of salvation that he had been proclaiming to mankind during his years on this earth as the Savior. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. And then, standing in his presence, Jesus ascended back into heaven. Verse 9 of Acts chapter 1. When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel angels, I'm sure, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The fifth day of Jesus, he's coming again on that final day of judgment. And we'll look at that next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to the cross as our Savior. Thank you for raising him from that tomb as the risen Savior. And thank you, Father, for sending him back to take us to our home in heaven as we have lived as the saved upon this earth, following him faithfully and obediently. All praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.